Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that enters the battlefield, gains tree life and draws a card, then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the Stonehorn dignitary herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Yes, is my answer. Yes. So I've had loads and loads and loads going on this week. However, I can talk about the thing that I was very coy about last week. Oh, yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen it. Um, I'm starting a new job in a few weeks and Ooh. it's very, very exciting. So I will be a content manager for a new Magic the Gathering outlet called MTG Rocks. And it's run by a big eSport company called Gfinity. And it's all very short notice. I got approached for the job like last week. It's, it's all been crazy. Um, it's very, very exciting. It is freelance, which means I get to shift into a self-employment role. I can do other opportunities with other outlets if I wanted to. Nice. But my main role is going to be creating content, managing a small team, doing some editorial stuff and so forth about magic, which is great. With this, I will be stepping back from TCG Player to accommodate the new role because, you know, I can't really write for another magic site if I'm already writing for another one. It's just a weird conflict of interest. But I do have a couple of articles going up soon on TCG Player. So this week you would see the second part of the Caldheim budget pickups as there were some issues last week and it didn't go up. And then my last article will be a budget upgrade on the Caldheim Precon Commander deck, the, the Elven one. Oh, the, nice. Elven Empire? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that will be my last article that will go up the week after. And then I'll be doing all this stuff at MTG Rocks, which will be like news. It'll be like budget guides and all that stuff. Awesome. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. I've been looking at paperwork because I'll be self-employed. I need to declare myself as a sole trader oh, and buy equipment. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's very, yeah. very adult orientated and it's, it's been a bit stressful. Mm. With that, I want to say to yourself as well, Scott, and to everyone that, you know, thank you for supporting me. It means the absolute world, and you're really, really great. And yeah, that's pretty much been my week. I managed to play a little bit of Hades a couple of days ago, uh, nice. just to have a break from being adult. Go back into the little, the little mindset of little angry Zagreus. Yeah, yeah. I played a little bit of Hades. I'm not really doing anything nice. too strenuous with it. I just fancy playing it for like an hour. Nothing too tricky. I uh, did a nice run with the gloves, because that's my favourite, so I'm probably going to do a few more runs with that, because I like you're smashing nice buttons and and hit and face um but yeah that's pretty much me there's a lot going on how about you that that is a lot going on and uh, i will say as well thank you for thanking me i guess uh, you're very, <laughs> i'm bad at this uh no you're you're very welcome like I'm, I'm more than happy to support my friends when it's it's all about the good people doing good things that's what you want to see especially yeah. in these covid times as some people might say you know yeah. but just in general it's nice to see good people doing good so yeah thank you as far as myself, I've been pretty good. Not not as good as I got a new job good, but good. I've I've learned something new about myself this week, actually. Uh, I yeah. I might maybe actually be a burn player. Are you? Is this I, a call for help? Are you okay? No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Cool. Uh, it, you see, it originally came as a shock to me because. Well, I play a lot of decks that just die to burn, so you know I've always seen it as like the enemy, but. No, I've been playing Mono Red Burn in Modern, and it's weird because it is really good. It's actually, the version that I'm playing at the moment is called Eight Guide, because it runs four Goblin Guide and four Wayward Guide Beast from Zendikar Rising. It's an insane card in the exact right deck, and I'm happy to say, I won't actually go on record for this, I did say that Wayward Guide Beast was a terrible card and would see no play anywhere, and it was the worst Goblin Guide ever printed. I was so wrong, and I think there's value in being able to yeah. say that you're wrong. We yeah. need to be able to own up and sometimes just say we're wrong. And this, to be fair, is something very small to say that you're wrong about. I was wrong about this one card that happens to be good. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good first step. I'm not going to turn around and say that my advocation for, you know, unbanning Faithless Looting is wrong. But other things, maybe. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, the, yeah, this is the thing that I actually realized and learned about myself was I love decks that have little puzzles that you need to solve in order to win the game. So Phoenix did this with, you know, you got to cast the right number of spells or do them in a certain order to maximize the chance of recurring multiple Phoenixes. Storm is just one giant jigsaw mm. puzzle. And Burn is essentially the same thing, only there's much tighter margins and you have the ability to grab lunch in between rounds. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, you know. Still, still keeping with magic, I've also finished making my Jalrail Monvuli Recluse deck for Commander in Ooh. paper. And I love it. It is mainly cycling cards and other green creatures that just draw cards. Mm. And they work with Jalrail to create a small little army of cat tokens and then just play a bunch of overrun effects. 
Nice. And that's it. It's the most Is It Green deck that I could possibly make. And I'm really, really happy with it. <laughs> to no surprise. You run the new Cat Chariot from Kaldheim for flavour. I do not run the Cat Chariot for flavour, mainly because I haven't actually opened one in a pack yet. So. Oh, fair enough. And when it comes to articles this week, I have written about the five best white commanders on a budget. So I go into detail on how they're best built, the key cards for each archetype that they play in, and then everything else right up to alternate win conditions and all. So whether you're a white mage and you want to build a new deck or you're just looking for something different but powerful, you'll definitely find something in there. That's over in Card Kingdom right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And then outside of Magic, I am still trudging my way through Dark Souls 2 with my friend Luke. Uh, I'm getting smacked around in the DLC at the moment, but we're <laughs> in between deaths. We're also planning out how our run and builds are going to be for Dark Souls 3. So like, we're just gluttons for punishment. Like In our spare time, we essentially yeah. flagellate. Like, it's usual. <laughs> but yes. Do we have any housekeeping this week, Emma? But we don't have any housekeeping in terms of like patrons and stuff. We do have a little okay. announcement, though, don't we, Scott? Do we? Well, yeah. Something we are planning to do this Saturday coming, we are planning to do our first BBM cast stream on Twitch. Mm. We have a Twitch channel set up. It's all very exciting. So we're just going to have a little casual chat, have a couple of drinks, yeah. talk about magic, talk about whatever. Feel free to join. It will be evening time in the UK, so it will probably be about 2, 3 o'clock American time on average, depending on where you are in America. Uh, but it'll be yeah. like early afternoon. You might have seen it on Twitter as well. It's just going to be low effort just to get everything kind of sorted so we can start playing games. And we're going to have our good friend, Angelo Guerrero, who's a friend of the show. He's going to be joining us as mm-hmm. well. And I'm pretty sure there will be some arguments about Faithless meeting, So, No, no, no. No, I'm not <laughs> Not after last weekend. Oh, no. Um, so you can follow the <laughs> Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash thebmcast. And yeah, we'll be going live on a Saturday and we'll just see how it goes. So it'd be appreciated if you could just pop in and say hello. Yeah, bit of chill drinks and chat. Yes. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right. So before we jump into the main topic of the episode this week, I believe, Emma, you have a card of the week. I do have a card of the week, keeping on theme. So my card of the week this week is Dead of Winter. If you are familiar Mm. with Modern Horizons, Dead of Winter is a really, really cool card. Uh, So for free mana, two generic and a black, you get a sorcery. All non-snow creatures get minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of snow permanents you control. Aldheim has lots of snow. It's very easy to build snow on a budget. And something like this would be really good if you're like a black base mid-range or control deck. Bonus points if you've got Mm. some snow creatures yourself because they don't die to dead of winter. It just seems a really good budget placeholder and stuff like Damnation if you just want that sort of sweeper. But yeah, I'm toying with the idea of building Rakdos Scred or brewing Rakdos Scred with this because you have all the snowlands and you have the Rakdos snow tap land now, which helps a lot too. And I think there Mm. could be some potential there. Maybe, maybe. All right. So what we are talking about this week is... Probably my favourite format in all of Magic, and that is Pauper. So, for those of you that don't know, Pauper is an eternal format. It uses only cards that have been printed at a common rarity in a Magic set or a product. It's kind of like Legacy and Vintage is, in that all Magic sets are part of the legal card pool. So you can play with commons from Alpha, as well as the cards from, you know, any packs that you've opened with time the whole way up through magic's history you can play any common from any place and as long as it's been printed a common at some point either on magic online or in paper you can play it in popper now there have been several bands across the format's history as well most of them have been extremely impactful on the format's landscape some of them make sense on paper like the fact that gush is a busted card that's now no longer legal up until <laughs> about a year and a half ago you could play a play set of gush in your blue decks like that well, seems like absolute insanity it was crazy at the time wasn't it because you had foil that was downshifted to a common as well yeah. and then like foil and gush you're just absolutely disgusting together on the side yeah deck. super broken 
Then some of the other ones seem a little bit strange, like Expedition Map. But once you get used to the format, you can start to see some of the reasoning behind some of the bands and stuff. But Pauper has a somewhat similar gameplay style to that of the fairer decks of Legacy from a couple of years ago. So before the likes of Astrolabe and Uro and Oko and Dreadhorde Arcanist and all that stuff. So, you know, thinking about like like the Delver decks or that have, uh, you know, brainstorm decision trees and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it has a similar ethos to modern in that play the deck you like. And if you know it inside out, you'll do well. Like there are obviously top tier decks and we will go through them in a moment, but you shouldn't ever feel obligated to play them. You could play whatever you want as long as you know it well. Mm. Now you could lose some win percentages, but like unless you're trying to spike a tournament or something, it's really not that big of a deal. Play with what you like, you know. Mm. Now there are an awful lot of reasons to play Pauper. Obviously because it's a common price everything is super cheap here the power level as well for being a common is surprisingly high you mm. know we have access to lightning bolt we have counterspell we have the tron lands which we'll get to soon you know we have the monarchy in the format we have all sorts of incredibly powerful things in the format that you can play with and with that there are loads and loads of different viable options as well yep Pauper, for the most part, feels pretty fair just because you are limited to commons. It's it's mostly safe from huge design mistakes. There's been there's been one recently which has fallen from favour in Commander Legends that caused some issues with monarchy mechanic in general. Mm. But in most cases, you're pretty safe from any design mistakes. Sometimes you get the odd downshift, which can shape the format in a different way as well. Mm. With the power level and design in mind, it's pretty safe to invest in a deck and not have to worry about any aggressive bannings. Mm. And even if something is banned, you're not losing that much money because they're commons and your debt costs no more than like £20, £20, $30. So you can easily find like placeholders and play something else. And something that Scott's familiar Mm -hmm. with, you can own tons of decks. It's a common thing at my LGS. We have one pauper guy that has 12 pauper decks and he will bring them down and everyone could just play a pauper tournament and he's just happy to lend stuff out. And it's all all different kinds of decks available depending on your play style, which is really, really good. I think it's a great way to include people into the format. Absolutely, yeah. They have 12 decks? I need to up my game. I've only got 10. To be fair, that's the only format they play. They play limited and pauper. So before we go any further into it, for the Stonks tier patrons, you will have access to my own personal deck database. So this is a collection of, currently it's exactly 100 decks for the pauper format. Now it is a little bit outdated, I haven't updated it in a couple of months, but I have a plan to get that done over the next couple of weeks or so. But it is still a fantastic resource for anyone that is looking to find some new spice or an interesting deck that, you know, maybe an analogue of another deck that you like in another Mm -hmm. format, that kind of thing. So, yes, that will be available for the Stonks here patrons. Let's start talking about the top decks in the format so that you can get an idea as to the landscape and to give you an understanding of sort of what is viable and then what way you will need to maybe plan your deck if you're going to build your own deck, what you need to plan for or sideboard for and that kind of thing. And it would be wrong to not start off with the quote-unquote boogeyman of the format, and that is Tron. So, yes, at one point, the Tron lands were printed at common. That is what a lot of people argue to be the biggest thorn in Pauper's side at the moment. It doesn't play like Tron in other formats usually does. Think Tron in modern. You want to get to a turn three Karn Liberated, or a turn four Ugin, or Ulamog, or something like this. We don't really have that at common here. You know, we have, like, Ulamog's Crusher is, like, one of the biggest things in the format. Even then, Tron generally doesn't aim for that. It instead aims to use this abundance of mana to take control of the game. It's anywhere between a three and five color control deck that can run things like crop rotation to go and get the Tron lands if it needs to, uh, or to search up stuff like Pajuka Bog to hit graveyards and that kind of thing. In order to hit the colors needed for all of the cards in the deck, because I said it was three to five colors, you have cards like thriving isle in the mana base so they're the ones that from jumpstart that enter tapped and you choose a color and it taps for that color but you also have four prophetic prism and four bonders ornament from the Akoria commander precons they are card draw pieces in addition to mana fixing which then lets you run an absolute pile of different cards in different colors and crazy mana requirements and mana costs you can find most of them using mystical teachings So I know some people are really going to love this deck, but it is very much disliked by an awful lot of people in the format because Mm -hmm. 
you go up and over the top of everybody and it kind of chokes out a lot of other control decks. And it does this by using Ghostly Flicker to flicker Mnemonic Wall, which is essentially an Archaea Mancer. You know, it's a wall that gets back a, a spell from the graveyard. In this case, you just keep recurring Ghostly Flicker while also flickering a Stonehorn Dignitary, which if you don't know what this does, I don't blame you. It is three <laughs> and a white for a one four Rhino Soldier. And when it enters the battlefield, target opponent skips their next combat phase. Not the one in the next turn, but the next one they have. So if you flicker this, say, like four times in one turn, the next four turns your opponents get, they just don't have a combat step. It essentially is a five-color control-slash-prison combo kind of deck, and it definitely puts a dampener on a lot of decks in the format. Yeah, I think the thing with Tron, no matter what gets banned or unbanned, it tends to favour Tron just because it's such a mm. versatile deck. It can accommodate so many cards. And also it's worth noting that Expedition Map is also banned in Pauper because of Tron, yet it can still do the Tron thing because it has crop rotation. It yeah. still gets your Tron lands. Again, the Tron lands is like kind of secondary in the deck, pretty much. It's just a nice yeah. thing to have access to because you still have stuff like Moldrifter and Stoneham Dignitary just to draw cards and outvalue your opponent. I'm not a big fan of Stonehorn Dignitary just because I'm a Bogles player and I <laughs> rely on combat heavily. So just yeah. having six turns of where I can't actually engage with my opponent just feels a little bit deflating at times. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is very feel-bad against a number of decks because when it comes to the common rarity, there aren't many alternate win conditions, for example. There's no approach to the second zone. There's no planeswalkers you can ultimate. So a lot of it focuses around combat. And if you can't actually have combat, you're basically locked out of the game. So, yeah, it can feel kind of bad. Some people do like this deck. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people that pilot it do enjoy it. But a lot of people that pilot it only pilot it because it wins them games. I personally am definitely biased. I would love to see Tron not exist anymore. So take from that what you will. I think it's just one of those decks that's been too good for too long sort of thing. And I just yeah. think people are kind of bored with it. It's not the same in modern where, yeah, it's still good, but it's not top of the table mm. for the last, what, three, four years now? Plus longer, maybe? Yeah. I've lost track at this point, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on from Tron. If you mm. want to play something more tempo orientated, some like counter burn esque sort of strategies, you have Is It Fairies and Demir Fairies. As you can tell from the name, they use a lot of fairies. So you have stuff like Spellstar Sprite, you have Fairy mm. Seer, and then you run creatures like Ninja of the Deep Powers. So you can ninjutsu your Fairy Seers back so you can scry again and generate mm. value. You have access to powerful legacy esque commons such as Brainstorm and Preordain, which are very, very good yeah. in the format. And also you have stuff like Frantic Inventory and Counterspell to counter spells and just draw more cards. Mm -hmm. This looks pretty fun. It's not the sort of deck I'd usually play, but I imagine it's something you would enjoy just because it's like Counter Burn, Cheap Flyers, S dot deck. Yeah. This is my kind of jam in Popper for sure. Yeah. Mm. Like if I wanna if I wanna win games, I will play this. It can feel a little bit stifling when, mm. you know, you play out a couple of things and you leave some mana up. And then your opponent goes to play something and it's countered by a spell stutter sprite. And then you take your turn and then you ninjutsu the spell stutter sprite back and hit with the ninja of deep airs, draw another card. And then your opponent knows you have another spell stutter sprite ready to go. That's mm. That can start feeling really, really bad. But if you want to win games, this is a pretty solid way to do it. And it does feel pretty fun to play. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It is very, very fun. You also have Scred, and with the amount of Snowlands and the new Kaldheim Snow Taplands, mm. they just get better and better. And it's probably one of the best removal spells in the format, right, Scred? Because it yes. actually deals with the Gurmag Angler pretty well, which is quite big. Especially with the new Taplands from Kaldheim that are Snowlands mm. as well, because you can yep. play them on turn one, give yourself two different colours, and then it still counts towards your Scred count. So, yeah, it's mm. quite nice. Yep, and then you have the Demir version, which runs Gurmag Angler because you're running so many spells. You can play Gurmag Angler like, way ahead of curve. Yeah. And you have good removal spells in Cast Down, which got downshifted recently. Mm -hmm. Then you have stuff like Snuff Out, which is just ridiculously good in the format. Yeah. One thing I like about these Vary decks, like, yes, they're both super cheap, but you can just switch into Is It or Demir when you see fit. So if you fancy lightning bolting people, you can go into red. If you want to propose this sort of slower, grindier approach with, like, Born of the Black Rose, who has Monarch, so you can draw more cards and have this attrition approach, then Demir's another good way to go about it. It's a very versatile archetype if you just fancy playing something different. Yeah, absolutely. The next kind of main pillar of the format would be Monogreen Stompy, 
This is essentially a Burning Tree Emissary deck because Burning Tree Emissary is a common. And what you kind of want to do is just play out a couple of creatures and break your opponent's face open. Like, there's nothing subtle about this deck. You know, you start with, say, like a, a Nettle Sentinel or a Korean Ranger or something on turn one, something small. And then on turn two, you play a Burning Tree into a maybe a Nest Invader. And then the next turn, you start suiting them up with Rankers and all sorts of ridiculousness. And then you just start breaking face. The deck has recently, from Modern Horizons, gotten Savage Swipe which is mm. one green for a sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn if its power is two. Now, most creatures in the deck, the power is two. And then it fights target creature you don't control. So it is a pump spell and a removal spell, which is incredibly mm. powerful. And it also uses things like Vines of Vastwood to protect its creatures or become a combat trick. And this can be very hard to interact with profitably because of the amount of safety that it has in the way it's built. So, you know, you can kill creatures with Rancor on it, they're going to get the Rancor back. You can attempt to kill a creature and they'll just Vines of Vastwood it and then you're down a removal spell, but they're not down a creature and then you're in trouble. You know, so there are a lot of things like that that give this deck the power that it needs to be able to close out games and it's very, very good at doing it. So if you're looking for something particularly aggressive, this is a Mm. very good starting point to go with, yeah. Another good starting point into Pauper, if you want something competitive, is Boros Monarch. So Boros Monarch is a, it's like a mid-range deck. It uses a lot of artifacts such as Golden Egg and Prophetic Prism. And you use stuff like Core Skyfisher to bring them back into your hand so you can play them again. Naturally, this was a really good Arkham's Astrolabe deck before it got banned mm. because you could just cycle through your deck very quickly. And you run stuff like Fraven Inspector because that's got a good ETB as well. And then you have stuff like Lightning Bolt, Galvanic Blast, because you're running so many artifacts. It's a very, yeah. very grindy S deck, but it's been, it looks pretty fun. It's not one I played myself, because I prefer to be a bit more aggressive. But yeah, this, this looks sweet. And then you have Guardian of the Guild Pact, which is just a staple of Pauper. It's a 4-mana 2-2, two, 2-3, two, two, sorry, that has protection from monocolored, which is quite a big deal in the format, because you don't have many multicolored cards. So it just sticks around forever and it reads unblockable pretty much so it's a really good way to approach the format yeah this is one of the first decks that i played with myself it is definitely not one of my kind of things either it's a little too i'm going to dirtle around a bit for a while but if you like dirtling this is the dirtly deck for you the good thing about this though is because of the four galvanic blast and four lightning bolt you can get really aggressive out of nowhere you know you can close 10 12 points of life in a couple of pieces of mana and that's all you'll need to win the game you know you can get a couple of bits of chip damage in with like that the core sky fishes or glint talks and then just close it out with burn mm. or similarly if you're against a more aggressive deck you can use it all as removal and then eventually win the game when you land a palace sentinels and start drawing from the monarchy so yeah. it has a lot of adaptability it's not doing particularly well at the moment because there are just things that are going bigger and better than it. Like we said, like Tron, it loses pretty hard to Tron, but also the next deck that we're going to be talking about, which is the Ramp decks. So the Ramp decks are Gruel colored at the moment, for the most part. Sometimes you'll see Teamer for the likes of Muldrifter and that kind of thing, but mostly Gruel, where they want to use and abuse the Utopia Sprawl and Arbor Elf interaction. And then you cast something powerful off of that. So for example, one of the more recent additions is Sir Rolf's Packmate, which is four mana for a 3-3 three, three, and is a battlefield draw card. So it's a nice grindy bit of value. Or you can use something like Monvuli Acid Moss, which is four mana for a sorcery, destroy target land, then search your library for a forest and put it into play tapped. It helps you to ramp in addition mm. to your early Arbor Elf package. And what it is looking to do is to get up to the point that it starts casting the Cascade spells from Commander Legends, like Boarding Party or Annoyed Altasaur which are six mana six threes with haste and cascade or seven mana six fives with reach trample and cascade. And often you can cascade one into the other and then into something else. Once you start doing that, the game's over. If you imagine like old Panza from a couple of years ago in modern, where when they land an Inferno Titan, you know, the game's over. Annoyed Altasaur or Boarding Party is basically the same thing in this. They're very, very powerful. They've been seeing an uncharacteristically high amount of play recently and i'm not surprised because they're insanely powerful cards knowing that Mm. counterspell is something that is all over the format your opponent won't be able to deal with at least some part of what you're casting thanks to cascade that's everything right now that is so so powerful 
yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if these sort of took the quote-unquote mid-range spot from Boros Monarch. Yeah. They're, they're kind of, the two of them are in flux. Boros Monarch is sort of trending downwards at the moment and Grill Ramp is trending upwards. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where this ends up leveling off. But they will be the final two decks to add to the, the top five. So the top five generally will be Tron, Fairies, Stompy, Boros Monarch and Gruel Ramp. And from there, you can branch out into a million different things. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to do like one or two little sentences on yep. a number of the more popular decks, the ones that you're more likely to see. And Big TLDR on other strategies in Pauper. Yeah. Because there's quite a few. The format's quite diverse, which is the biggest reason to play it. There's kind of something for everyone and it's all yeah. affordable. Nothing's really expensive, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with Control. So we've already covered Tron. Mm-hmm. Demir Fairies. Is mm-hmm. it Fairies? Same thing, but with Scred, essentially. Orzov Pestilence is the next one. Emma, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so you got Orzov Pestilence, which is a fun, grindy control deck, and it runs the card Pestilence, which is the namesake card. Uh, so if you don't know what Pestilence does, two generic and double black for an enchantment. At the end of any turn, if there are no creatures in play, bury Pestilence, or you can play black. Pestilence deals one damage to all creatures and players. The goal is is just to grind out with stuff like Crit Rats. You've got a lot of disruption, so you've got stuff like Duress just to pull out any good removal and counter spells out of their hand. You've got Disfigure, which is really good. You have stuff like Castigate, which tears stuff out of people's hands. You've got Read the Bones, Night's Whisper, just to outvalue people and just, you know, dirtle people to death, really. Yep, it's pretty good. It has a surprising ability to actually close the game pretty quickly when it wants to, because as long as it keeps its life total above the opponent's, it can just keep spamming mm. Pestilence, especially if a Guardian of the Guild Pact is out, because it mm. has protection from the Pestilence, so it never goes away, so you always keep your Pestilence. Next up, we have a personal favourite of mine is Green Black Tortured Existence. This is somewhat of a meme deck, sort of, in that it doesn't see a whole lot of play on Magic Online, mostly because of the amount of clicks involved to win, but it is mm. actually very, very powerful. If you imagine Dredge, only it's a control deck, that's basically Tortured Existence. It kind of feels a little bit like an aristocrat's deck because you sacrifice different things to have different effects and you are looking to abuse Tortured Existence, the card itself, which is one black for an enchantment and you pay black and discard a creature card from your hand to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So you did this by discarding your dredge creatures in order to get back your creatures that you will then play and sacrifice for value. And you want to grind your opponent out with this. There are a number of different builds of this deck But yeah, it's weird. It's interesting. It's very strange. If you like weird, dirty nonsense, this is the deck for you, for sure. So the next deck we have is one of Scott's most disliked decks in Pauper, which is Acid Trip, which is a Azorius Blink deck, and it features the card Reality Acid. If you don't know what it does, it is a free mana enchantment aura. You enchant a permanent and it has Vanishing Free. When Reality Acid leaves play, Enchanted Permanence Controller sacrifices it. So the goal is just to keep bouncing Reality Acid, make people sacrifice stuff like lands because you can attack mana bases. And it's mm. all about denying resources and it's very slow and there's not a lot you can really do about it. And it can be quite frustrating because you just having you have no mana in play and yeah. it's just a slow rubbish way to lose a game of magic. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I really hate it. <laughs> it's uh, my friend Ian has Acid Trip. And he pulls it out on occasion just to salt me up. And it's so, it's so frustrating. <laughs> if you, if you want to really, really meaningfully just hate on the Tron part of Tron for no reason whatsoever other than spite, this is the way to do it. Yeah. This is definitely the way I'd do it anyway. <laughs> and then you run stuff like Momentary Blink and you have all these blink effects as well. Um, it just seems yeah. really frustrating because it seems a very reactive deck there's a lot of instant spells that can just get out of hand and it's just really not fun yeah it's, like, it's i don't want to play gross. against this I, I don't want to talk about it anymore i'm moving on cool, fine. <laughs> yep so next up <laughs> yeah next up we have boros bully which is an evolution of the boros monarch deck and it mm-hmm. generally speaking has been doing a little bit better and what it looks to do is utilize going wide more so than sitting around and dirdling. So it looks to play things like Squadron Hawk and Battle Screech and then also some potent threats like Seeker of the Way which is a 2 mana 2-2 with prowess and whenever you cast a non-creature spell it gets lifelink. So 
it still runs the four Galvanic Blast, the four Lightning Bolt, and it still has things like Palace Sentinels and Guardian of the Guild Pact. But it also runs things like Rally the Peasants, which is a three mana instant where creatures you control get plus two plus O until end of turn. And you are essentially looking to go wide, maybe remove a couple of creatures, and then just throw a Rally the Peasants out to just close the game in one combat mm-hmm. step usually. Yeah, if I was to go for a mid-range deck, this is a more aggressively skewed one. I would probably lean towards this. It's really fun to play. A lot of builds have like Faithless looting in it as well, which I really love, obviously. It's great because there are a number of cards in here that have flashback as well. Like you have Prismatic Strands. Like I said, you have Battle Screech. There's just a number of little synergies like that. Some decks even run Sacred Cat to be able to Mm. embalm that. So yeah, it's nice. It's a good one to go for if you don't know much about the format and you want to just sort of jump in. So next up is for people that wish Jund is really good in any format they want to play in. And so we have Jund Cascade. It's a mid-range deck where you have stuff like Boarding Party and Annoyed Ultra Sword, like we mentioned earlier. And you can kind of replicate the Bloodbraid Elf into Colligan's Command. Instead, you can use Annoyed Ultra Sword and, you know, Blightning instead and have that shred of feeling as John player. <laughs> you know back in the old days if you enjoy playing like rock piles this is for you mm. you have stuff like souls packmate which we talked about earlier which is really good you have fauna the black rose which is great at just drawing more cards and then you have this swath of removal such as like terminate cast down and braid lightning bolt you even have chainings edict for the bogles players just really slow grindy good jund rock stuff so if you enjoy playing those in modern or in pioneer this is a really good starting point pretty much yeah next one is a strange one. It's also technically Orzhov Pestilence, but mm. for some reason the popper community can't seem to give it a different name. So <laughs> the, <laughs> the Orzhov Pestilence deck, like we mentioned earlier, that has very few creatures and looks to play Pestilence and so on. This is a little bit less all in on the Pestilence plan and has a bit of that sort of Boros Monarch plan where it plays stuff like Spare Supplies to be able to play and replay with Corsky Fisher. And it has some removal spells like we mentioned earlier. It looks to play a little bit more of a mid-range plan than a control plan. For example, the average list would have somewhere between 15 and 18 creatures, roughly. And the other list would run maybe five. But other than that, it's very, very similar. Just mm-hmm. a little grindier in a different way, I suppose. Uh, next up is the quote-unquote jund of the format, um, which is mono-black control. Mm. This deck's been around for a very, very long time. It is pretty much a staple of the format. Now it's kind of fallen out of favour a bit. It's like the genre, the format. It's the kind of deck that you like to play if you want to play like a grindy mid-range deck. Um, so you run stuff like Great Mansion of Asphodel because you have a high black devotion because you run stuff like Chittering Rats, which I'm going to be honest, I don't like Chittering Rats just because it essentially time walks your draw step and that's just never fun for anybody. Oh, it's fun and for then- me. I love it. It's, uh, I hate it so much, but just because <laughs> I tend to play like aggro decks and mm-hmm. it's just it's just so bad. And then you have stuff like Sign in Blood, you have cast downs and then you've got stuff like Ubiliette and then you've got like Witch's Cottage which is a really nice addition as well because it just means you can get your chittering rats back and cause mm-hmm. more misery to your opponents this is like super cheap like you can play for it like five tickets on Modo like it's it's so cheap yep. if you just want to play like a, a clean mid-rangey deck I think this is a good sign point yeah absolutely next up we have it's probably better known by Emma but it's Bogles so yeah. turns out an awful lot of Bogle's pieces are common. So Glade Cover mm-hmm. Scout, Slippery Bogle, Solana Ledgewalker, all common. And then you still have great things like Ethereal Armor, Rancor, Ancestral Mask is legal. It's pretty God powerful. Is <laughs> yeah. If you've seen Bogle's ever be played in any other format, it's basically the exact same thing. Yeah. So yeah, another decent starting point if you want to jump in with something that just turn sideways while you learn about the format. Yep, one thing to keep in mind when if you do play Bogles is just be mindful of Chainer's Edict because Edict effects are quite common in the format. So yeah. you don't want to go put all your eggs in one Bogle basket because it won't be good. One of my favourite decks in Pauper is uh, Affinity because Affinity, like in Mirrodin, a lot of the powerful artefacts and spells are all at common. And in this format, all the artifact lands are legal, so you can run them in Affinity. Mm. Basically, you're just spamming out artifacts. You have stuff like Frogmite, which is good. Mirror Enforcer is really good. You can run a different like approach. So you run stuff like Atog. And Atog is a two-mana, one-two. You sacrifice an artifact, it gets plus two, plus two. And the goal is, is just to 
spam your board of artifacts, draw loads of cards off a thought cast, and then just get yourself into a position where you can kill the opponent with an ATOG by sacking yeah. off your lands and your board. Um, it's really, really fun. I quite like this deck because you have stuff like Galvanic Blast, which is at common. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got Fling as well, so you can fling your 2020 ATOG at someone, which is also quite fun. This is a good solid one as well. It's a nice mm. aggro deck that can attack from multiple different angles. The only downside is that it is a great game one deck and it is horrendous post board because of all of the very powerful artifact hate in the format. So yeah. keep an eye for that. Next up, we have a deck that most formats would not be complete without, and that is Burn. So <laughs> an awful lot of Burn staples in Modern and Legacy are legal in Pauper. Stuff like Lightning Bolt, like I mentioned earlier, Searing Blaze, Rift Bolt, Skewer the Critics, Chain Lightning, Lava Spike. These are all pauper legal. Fire Blast, the absolutely broken burn spell for Legacy Burn, is legal in pauper. And it runs eight creatures. Gets you Lava Runner at one mana, two, two haste with stipulation (laughs) and Thermo Alchemist. And that's it. You just use this to like machine gun your opponent to death while you're casting all of these incredibly busted burn spells. And it's super cheap. It's about $50. It's mm. always good. It's never horrendous. There are some times where burn is not amazing, as you would see in, say, like Legacy or Modern. But it's always a solid choice. Uh, next one is one I'm keen on because it runs lots of auras. It's very similar to Bogles, but it is in Mono White. Mm. And that's Mono White Heroic. Um, if you just want to keep to one colour and you want to be aggressive, this is a good starting point. So you have stuff like Lagona Band Trailblazer, which is a fantastic heroic payoff. Um, yep. You have stuff like Cartusa Solidarity, which is really good against Edicts because it makes a token. Uh, you've got Ethereal Armor, you've got Hyena Umbra, Sentinel's Eyes. Just It's just mono-white pants, basically. Um, and it's just a really, really good way to get into the format. If you're not too sure if you want to like invest in Bogles, this is a really good place to start. It's a very straightforward mm-hmm. deck, but it's quite aggressive as well. It's very solid. It's very yeah. cheap as well. This is one of the highest yes. power-to-price ratio decks. It's about $20. Which is like to think that a deck, a Magic the Gathering deck that is competitive could be $20. Oh, yeah. Hook it to my veins. That's you speaking my love language here. I know, right? And like a mono white deck is good in pauper. Like, I'm really excited. (laughs) Crazy, crazy talk. White's good. You heard it here first. (laughs) You you literally probably just heard it here first. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. One thing that is also pretty good is red deck wins or goblins. It's usually heavily goblin skewed to the point that you would usually just call it goblins and that's what we're going to call it here. Essentially, Mm. you're looking to play kind of like a cross between red deck wins and 8-whack from modern. So you play like Founder Street Denizen, Fanatical Firebrand, all these like really cheap goblin creatures and then you have goblin bushwhacker that you can kick to give them all plus one plus oh in haste. And yeah, there's a couple of other things as well. Like you have Mog Raiders to be like a sacrifice outlet in order to pump creatures and that kind of thing. Or Sparksmith can remove creatures for you, albeit at a, at a cost to your own life total. And then you have a lot of reach in here. Like you've got four Lightning Bolt, two Fire Blast and four Goblin Grenade, which was mm. made legal there a little while ago. And yeah, it's solid. It's a very, very solid deck. Red deck wins. Goblins, never bad. Goblins good in every format, apparently. Another way to rock up to a format is with Slivers. Because yes, Slivers is a deck in Pauper and no, it's not a joke. It, <laughs> it was surprising for me to learn originally when I started Pauper that there are so many lords available for Slivers mm. at common. So you have one mana, one, one in the form of Plated Sliver that gives all Slivers plus O plus one. And then Sidewinder Sliver, same stats, but it gives Slivers flanking. Virulent Sliver is same stats again, except it's in green and it gives them poisonous one. So it's kind of like Infect. The, the list goes on. Like there's Gemhide Sliver, which turns all your slivers into mana dorks. There's Hunter Sliver, which gives them all Provoke. There's Muscle Sliver and Predatory Sliver, which bump them all by plus one, plus one. And same with Sinew Sliver as well. They get out of hand so quickly. The board just gets overwhelmed. If you have like four slivers out, the game is basically over. Like, you basically can't kill them. They're huge and they're scary. And it's really, really cool. Now, it is very soft to removal. Like, if you get hit with a couple of removal spells in a row, you're kind of dead in the water. But if not, you just absolutely body your opponents. It's really, really sweet. It's a fun one to show up with. 
yeah, slivers has kind of fallen out of favour, especially in like modern and stuff. So it's really cool that it's an, it's a decent option in pauper. That's good to see. Yeah. If you want to rock up and start the game with ten life to your opponent, you can rock up with infects because that is still mm-hmm. a very good option in pauper. You're not in simic colours. You are straight up mono green because you have all the powerful spells like Groundswell and Vines of Vastwood, which are common. Um, and of course, you still have the Glistener Elf. You have to run a couple of different creatures because you don't have stuff like Blighted Agent. Um, you have Rock Wolf and Iron Claw Mirror, which get the job done fine. It just plays the same way as traditional Infect. You've got Rancor as well to trample through Infect damage. You've got stuff like Giant Growth, and you could even run the new card from Kaldheim, Snakeskin Veil, which is a really good one yeah. to protect your threats from removal because you are softer removal in this deck like normal Infect decks. But yeah, this is blisteringly quick. If you just want to, you know, kill people very quickly and want to go for lunch, this is a probably a good starting point. Yeah, for sure. Now, moving on from the aggressive decks onto a little bit more of a tempo game plan. We had mentioned Demir Fairies earlier on. Plays a little bit more like a control deck. Demir Delver is a little bit different in that it is a Delver deck, essentially. And what you're looking to do is just be really, really cheap with your interaction. You know, so like you have spell pierces and you've got cast downs and counter spell and that kind of thing. And you basically never pay more than two mana for any spell ever. Mm. Then win the game by incidentally having a threat on board and protecting it. It's very, very powerful. It's very fun. I love this. I know that it's not as good as the fairies list, but I would probably choose Delver list over a fairies list just because I prefer the way that it plays. But, yeah, it's good. Yep, so next up is a favourite of mine, Mono Blue Fairies, uh, Mono Blue Delver, basically is what it's called, and you do run fairies as well. It's very similar to Is It Delver. You still have stuff like Ponder, Preordain, Counter Spell. You still have your Delvers. You run stuff like Ninja of the Deep Hours to draw cards ahead of Curve. Yeah, this is really, really fun, because it reminds me of the Mono Blue Tempo deck back in Standard that we're both quite big fans of. And yeah, it's just a really fun, cheap tempo deck. Yeah, 100%. So when it comes to combo, combo actually exists in Pauper as well. It's not quite as popular as, say, like the controller, the aggro decks, but it's definitely present. One of the ones that puts up good results all the time is blue-white familiars. So what it looks to do is play out Sunscape Familiar, a two-mana O3 that reduces the cost of green and blue spells. And you're looking mostly at the blue part here. You're looking to use that to reduce the cost of things to play out some value creatures and then eventually win by casting Ghostly Flicker to flicker a Archaeomancer in order to get back your Ghostly Flicker and an island so that you reduce the cost of the Ghostly Flicker essentially to zero. And if you do this infinitely with a Sage's Rodenizen out, you mill your opponent out. Or mm. if you have a God Pharaoh's Faithful out, you gain infinite life. Or if you have a Stonehorn Dignitary out and you start flickering that, you can start getting some value through locking your opponent out in that way as well, though not to the same effect as Tron. It's very good if you want to play some kind of dirtly nonsense or kind of like a blue-eye control deck. It's a very complex deck and I wouldn't recommend it for people starting off, but at the same time, if it's something that sounds good to you, I would go for it. Uh, in a similar vein, Elves is a really popular option in Pauper. Probably one of the best tribal decks you can play in the format. Like Familiars, it is very, very difficult to play just because it's very similar to the Legacy variant in that, you know, you've got Query and Ranger and all these weird lines and nuances. Mm. You have stuff like Priestess Titiana, you have Wildheart Invoker as a good win condition, and you are splashing blue for Distant Melodies just so you can draw extra cards. I wouldn't recommend this as a starting point, but if you played Elves in like Modern or in Legacy, then it should be quite easy to pick up because a lot of those skills transfer over. Mm. It's probably one of the more expensive pauper decks as well because it just has Korea and Ranger, which has retained its value. If you played Elves before, this is a really good deck for pauper. Otherwise, I would hold off until you've got a more advanced understanding of the format. Yeah. For something that's a little bit easier, I would recommend Cycling Storm. So this is a deck that came around as a result of the printing of Dranit Stinger in Ikoria, which was one and a red for a 2-2 human wizard with cycling one. And whenever you cycle another card, it deals one damage to each opponent. So this deck is very, very sweet. I have this in paper myself. It has eight or nine lands usually, and they tap for black usually. So swamps or barren moors because they cycle. And just a bunch of rituals. So Dark Ritual, Songs of the Damned, Cabal Ritual, and so on. And what you want to do is just cycle every other card in the deck. Every other card in the deck, apart from the rituals and apart from some of the lands, cycle for one. 
So you just cycle, 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 cycle. That's all you do. And then mm-hmm. eventually you cast Unearth to bring back the Dranite Stingers and keep going, cycling, cycling, cycling. Build up a storm count with a couple of the rituals, then cast Reaping the Graves, which is two and a black for an instant. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, but it also has Storm. So you get six, seven, eight of your creatures back to your hand, keep cycling them, and then your Dranite Singers are machine gunning your opponents to death. It's very, very linear. It has one specific kind of game plan, and that is usually to just cycle until your opponents are dead. It's easy to pick up and start playing with because it has a very direct game plan, but there are mm-hmm. a number of nuances in the deck that reward the reps with it as well. So if there's a deck that you want to be able to pick up and play like a weird, mad, edgelord combo deck and <laughs> still do well at it from the start and keep getting better at it, Cycling Storm is the one I'd go for. Yep, another fun combo if you just want to play something. This one's a bit of a glass cannon, but it's still quite fun, mm-hmm. which is Inside Out Combo. So basically Inside Out Combo is you run Tidus Tribe and Tidus Tribe is a one mana one one. Uh, and it reads, discard a card from your hand. Tidus Tribe gets plus zero, plus four to end the turn. And your goal is to keep, is to fill your hand up as with many cards as possible, discard it to Tidus Tribe, and then before damage, you just cast Inside Out, which is a two-mana spell. Uh, you switch power and toughness, you draw a card. So it's like Infect with extra steps, basically. Mm-hmm. However, you do fall to removal quite easily because Tidus Tribe is the only creature in your deck. You don't really run many counter spells. You have like a couple of dispels. If you really want to play like a, a glass cannony sort of deck, then this is it because you can dome someone for 25 of the Tidus Tribe and that kind of makes stories at an effort then. Yeah, for sure. But that is it. They are the main decks that you it's are likely quite- to see. I know that was a very long list and there were a few sort of niche and off the wall ones there as well because we didn't want to just go here are the main decks of the metagame we wanted to have some of the interesting ones that we play ourselves or that we love to play against or that kind of thing too so as you can see there are tons and tons of decks that are available and this is only about a quarter of what's available like we said over on the stonks tier where you get access to my personal deck database so if that seems interesting for you jump on over to the stonks tier and you can get access to that as well yeah, this is why I love Popper. There are just so many different yeah, options. It's, it's, it's so diverse, isn't it? It can just kind of do whatever you want. And it's not financially punishing either, cause, just because they're all common. So it's just, yeah. re- it's just a really fun format. We're big fans of it. All right. So that was a long one. But yeah. we're not quite done because we have some Q&A. We so, do indeed. What's the first one, Emma? So, as with every week, we've got Eevee the Mage with some nice stonks. Basically, the Triomes in Ikoria are still under $10. $10 might be quite a bit, granted, but the fact these are Trilands and they have the typing, they might be quite good in like certain modern or pioneer decks, because often you run like a couple anyway. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're under 10 bucks each at the moment, or five of them, that's really, really good stonks. Um, yep. We have a question from Zach Traverso. They ask, what are your predictions for the upcoming ban announcement on Monday? Because we hmm. have to talk about the elephant in the room. So. Yeah, yeah. We're recording this on Sunday. So technically they haven't properly said that there's a ban and restricted announcement, but they said they were going to talk about it on Monday. So let's be real. If it's not the ban and restricted announcement, everyone's going to lose their goddamn minds. So yeah. it's probably the ban and restricted announcement. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll have happened, probably. And we don't know. What I want and what I predict are very different things, but I'm going to go with what, mm-hmm. I, what we're predicting. I predict that there's going to be a rules change that you can cascade into the front half of Valky, God of Lies, or any other yes. dual face card like that. And we're going to see the banning of Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, across mm-hmm. all the formats that was mentioned in the Secret Layer announcement. And I think we might see something along the lines of Field of the Dead as well in modern. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar prediction. Instead of Field of the Dead, I was thinking Mystic Sanctuary. I would like to see Mystic Sanctuary and Uro go myself, but I would be happy with either Uro... Well, Uro's going to go anyway, we know that much. So mm-hmm. I'd be happy with like Uro, Field of the Dead, Uro, Mystic Sanctuary, or Uro plus those two as well, because those three cards are just absolutely heinous. Mm-hmm. And the Field of the Dead should not exist in the way it does. And it'd just be great just to see not these Uro Omnath piles that just don't get punished for running Field of the Dead. And it'd just be nice to have a bit more diversity in the format. Yeah, That's me. That's what I want, which is different to a prediction. Prediction, I expect, I agree with you with the, with the Cascade cards. I think they're going to get errated because they have to address that because Modern's in a horrible state right now. Mm. And then I think it's going to be Field of the Dead as well, but I would also 
hope that Mystic Sanctuary is on that radar as well. Yeah. One other thing to cover as well is I think they would probably get rid of Tibble's Trickery because I don't think they're going to be willing to get rid of all the Cascade cards in order to stop the Tibble's Trickery nonsense. I think they would yeah. sooner get rid of that one card that doesn't really necessarily add anything to the format in general. It's going to be it's going to be awkward because there will be another card that just breaks Cascade again, right? And then at what That's point it. do you go, is it a Cascade problem or is it a design card problem? We've mentioned this before, like Cascade's on the storm scale for a reason, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a inherently a powerful ability. And a lot of the time, enablers get banned in modern, like Faith Asserting is a good example of this. And why is Cascade not in the same equation? I think that's a discussion for another time, but it's just mm. something to worth, it's worth thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, we have a question from Affinity for Commander. Do you think Wizards putting Commander-specific cards, such as Planeswalkers, with Commander clauses on them, into standards would help or hinder the reception slash sale of them? Basically, what they're saying is, do you want Commander-specific cards in standard sets? Um, I have no personal opinion on whether I want them in standard-specific sets or not, but I think it's an incredibly clever idea uh, that they should definitely probably do because they're a business and they want to maximize their money. And one of the yeah. easiest possible ways to do that is to put cards for their most popular format into sets yeah. that they want to shift boxes of. So, yeah. yes, it's very, very clever and they should definitely do it. I think I think what will happen is commander players will get really, really annoyed because, well, they always get really, really annoyed. It's very mm-hmm. easy for a lot of commander players to get annoyed over things that, honestly, you probably shouldn't get annoyed about. For example, they're printing more commander cards into standard sets if you get annoyed about that why (laughs) sorry but why like they're they're printing them just like if you want them buy them not every card is going to be for you so it's just it's it's just a good way just to segue everything and lastly uh, a question from mark pinder this is directed at me Mm -hmm. they say congrats on the new job emma and does this affect you presenting in the future and what they mean by presenting is the podcast and that is absolutely no the bm cast will still be a thing We'll still be live every Thursday, so it's not a problem. Like I'm, st- I'm still here. Sorry, not sorry. However you want to yeah. say it. So, sorry, Stop Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Aliandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Odin Egan, Philippe Delmont, The Jez Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Stephanie Pace, Ian Holland, The Pauper Guild, Nicholas Martin, and Tyler. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Ryan Collins, Nerblin, Everett Brogan and Dahi Carroll. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you'd like to support us and add your name to this list of wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budget magicast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>